bet on yourself is one of them that I always tell myself because like, you know, we're like, we're stronger than we think. And once you have a brain injury, you definitely like, you know, I feel like you like look at yourself as less in a way, at least like I did, this is all just from personal experience, but just betting on yourself that like you can get better and you can be stronger and get back to what you want to do is huge. Like having that hope. The Life in Motion podcast is brought to you by Actual Outdoors. They help build beautiful brands that highlight the approachable and authentic parts of outdoor recreation. Said simply, they keep it real. Learn more at actualoutdoors.com. This is a Life in Motion audio experience, a podcast about travel, action sports, culture, and more. What's up and welcome to episode 125 of Life in Motion. I've got Kelsey Boyer with me from Save a Brain, a nonprofit that's educating, encouraging prevention, and spreading awareness of the long-term mental and physical effects of traumatic brain injuries and concussions. I'm excited to learn what inspired her to do this and why it's so important. Kelsey, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Stoked to be here. Yes, yes. I'm excited um, and really excited about your mission, uh, especially with my, my background of BMX riding. I've hit my head a couple of times. But before we get into that, um, let's go ahead and start with with your background story. You know, who is Kelsey? What did she enjoy growing up? You know, kind of what led you down this path? Like loaded question thinking. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is pretty funny because I feel like it's like obviously living in the present and everything that I've done with Save a Brain, I it feels like an extension of me. So yeah, people are like, what if you like, what'd you do before that? And I'm like, I don't even know. <laughs> I'm like, I, I just feel like this is what I've been doing. But prior to everything happening in my life, uh, obviously snowboarding was a big passion of mine. I grew up in Pennsylvania, like Amish country, pretty much got super lucky and lived about 10 minutes down the street from a tiny little hill called Bear Creek. My parents pretty much just took me to the mountain every single day, just snowboarding captivated me. And next thing I knew, I graduated from college, moved out west and worked at Wendell's. And yeah, so I think like safe to say like, yeah, snowboarding definitely was my life and took it over completely, but <laughs> it got me to where I am. That's that's awesome. So where you, where, uh, you grew up in Pennsylvania, was that close to Camp Woodward at all? Uh, no, I, I mean, I've never been like, that's really funny. I've like, I've never been to the big camp Woodward. So I'm guessing it's pretty far away. Pennsylvania is like, I didn't notice how long of a state it was until I was driving through it. And I yeah. was like, this is the longest state ever. <laughs> but, yeah. I don't know. I'm like an hour and a half outside of Philadelphia, like South. Oh, okay. Um, so okay. yeah, I, I need to put it on my list. Cause I feel like I just got to go see it in person. Yeah, for sure. It's it's a uh, it's kind of in the middle of the state. Um, I was a camper there, and I and I worked there as well. Um, like as I you know mentioned BMX bike, so that's why I was just curious. But so so you grew up kind of so were your parents um, were they kind of snowboarder skiers that kind of thing like prior to you or you just kind of like say hey, this looks fun to do and they took you one one weekend like what what was about it that like when that happened that also you know kind of eventually uh, captivated you. It's my parents. They're not, they're not shred parents. My dad's like a shredder at heart, but they did not get, get on the slopes. But I actually, my older sister snowboarded okay. and the class younger sibling, I was like, well, I'm going to do what she does. She eventually stopped going. And then I just kept going and just started competing. 
That's awesome. And then, so, I mean, what was it about? Was it like kind of like the the freedom of it? I, and I guess I should also backtrack what, what type of snowboarding, you know, especially when you were starting to compete, um, were, I guess, where you, was your focus? I did like slope style and rail jams pretty much. Okay. Uh, so my parents were yeah super supportive of it and would drive me just so many states and miles away just to keep going to local contests, which was so cool. But honestly, I don't, I don't know what it was. Like it's, I mean, obviously, yeah, I think like the freedom and kind of everything that it like provided me or like taught me with like being present and being in the mountains and just like kind of everything that it offered that way. And it's, it was like a way to like, you know, push myself in like what I wanted to do, which was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I know that totally makes sense. I mean, you had the freedom and it's, it's not really a team sport, but you also have, you know, the the other riders around you to kind of cheer you on and, and egg each other on in that sense. Um, and then of course, you know, the competitive route, if you're doing that as well. So, you know, as you were kind of doing that, and then you said you moved out West was, was snowboarding kind of the, the reason that you just like the main reason that you decided to do that, just kind of more opportunities out there. Yeah, exactly that. I just kind of was like, okay, I feel like everything that I wanted to do here, like locally and on the East I've done. And I think it's time for more. And of course, like being from the little East coast mountains are like beautiful for what they are, but you like see out West and you're just like, I got to get to the real mountains. And so yeah, I pretty much just put fate out there and I like applied to Wendell's as like a counselor um, up at Mount Hood. And I just kind of was like, okay, if I get the job, I'm like packing and moving out West and I don't really know where I'm going to go. So I got the job, drove cross country to Oregon. Everybody that I met there lived in Salt Lake City. So I've never been before, but I just was like, okay, like Salt Lake is a lot closer than Pennsylvania. So <laughs> I'm like, I'll, I'll just go there. And then, yeah, I ended up in Salt Lake. That's a, so, and, and it sounds like, you know, when you, when you got there, it's kind of a, a pretty, uh, welcoming community. What, what was kind of the, the transition? Like, you know, you're, you're kind of throwing a dart and if you got it, you got it, which, which you did. And I'm glad, I'm sure you're glad that you did. Um, but kind of what, what was that sort of that transition like as far as like getting acclimated out there? Because I'm assuming you went out there by yourself as well. So you're kind of starting over new. I guess, did you lean on snowboard a lot uh, kind of during that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like, like I look back on it and I'm like, my life would not be what it is like without snowboarding and taking those leap of faiths because like it's my whole community. And that's what I noticed out there at Mount Hood. I was just like, man, everybody's so like, just free and like, you know, they're all just sending it on their snowboards and all they want to do is snowboard like 24 seven. That's like all you're out there to do. And I was like, this is cool. Like, you know, when you're in Pennsylvania, you're kind of like the outcast doing it. Like I was like one of like 10 in my high school that snowboarded and out there I was like, oh, this is like normal. <laughs> like everybody's doing this. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. So then, and then, so you, you get out there, you kind of, you know, find that community, of course, around snowboarding as well. Did you, did you kind of continue to pursue the competitive aspect of it out there kind of more seriously, I guess? Yeah, I definitely, I feel like I'm very driven and like goal oriented. So I constantly was like, what do I want to do? You know, let's start checking some boxes and make a list and see what we want. And 
I knew I wanted to do something with snowboarding, but I didn't know what. And so I went right for competitive route, competed in slope style for a while. Um, you know, wanted to compete to the Olympic route, but I, I kind of took a break from competing for a second. Cause I didn't know if it was for me. And then I hit the streets and was like, I'm going to film video parts. Like that's what everybody's doing in Salt Lake city is hitting metal. Well, turns out I hate metal and <laughs> that career did not last long. So I was like, okay, where can I stand in this industry now? I don't want to do that. So I was like, okay, I'm going to give one last shot at competing. Like I'm going to move to Breckenridge, Colorado. I'm going to train with the best of the best. And we're just going to like put all of our eggs in our, in this basket and see what happens. So what, so what happened when you did that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> not, not what I wanted to, but it led me here. But yeah, I essentially, my like best, my best friends were my coaches. So they would travel with me and come to the start gate with me, which was such a special moment. And like everything that I was learning was like all, I'm, you know, all by myself when everybody's having the financial stability to pay coaches, but I didn't. So it was like a big growth period in my life. But yeah, after like, I kind of was in a bad headspace for a season, um, just trying to stack as many points as I could. I had too many head hits in like a two month window, I'd say maybe like eight plus head hits. And one of them was a knockout and it led me to one last good slam in another contest. And my brain started bleeding. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'm like, right to it. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. That's, um, no, I'm that's, that's scary. So I'm, I'm guessing, yeah, you get knocked out over that one. So I, I guess, you know, when, when that happened, cause it sounds like that was probably the most serious, uh, injury that, that you would experience kind of, you know, through your yeah. snowboarding uh, career from that sense, what, I, I guess what were like the feelings kind of afterwards, you know, something that, um, you, you know, you obviously love so much and then, you know, kind of find this adverse, adverse, uh, you know, uh, challenges yeah. with it, uh, from the injury, how, what, what was that like? It's interesting to look back on because, you know, in the moment, like when it happened, well, I was in a bad headspace from the beginning and I knew it. And then all of the head hits kept coming and everybody around me was like, you should take a break. But the pressure of trying to make it and trying to prove myself and like that was louder than everybody else. And so you know, I just kept going. But in the moment of the last head hit, I essentially, my parents actually came out and were watching me compete. And I just tipped over on one of the jump, like, you know, goggles exploded, nose ring ripped out. I pretty much picked myself up, get on the chairlift. And I had like really bad ringing in my ears. And like, I was dizzy. I felt like I was going to throw up, but I was on the chairlift alone. And like, I always tell like, I ignored it for the longest time, but so I was like best friends with my pop pop and he passed and on the chairlift, it was the strangest thing. It was like, I could hear him in my head and he was like, your brain is bleeding. And I was like, all of a sudden I was like, my brain is bleeding. And I like went to ski patrol. They said, you're fine. I went to another ski patrol that day. They said, you're fine. You're just concussed. And then two weeks went by and I was still snowboarding. Um, 
But I was like not sleeping. I was having like like a lot of mood swings and my roommates were like, she is not good. Um, And then, yeah, after like two weeks of a bleeding brain, you know, I just, I felt crazy. <laughs> like I was like, you have like five doctors tell you you're fine. So you start to believe you're fine. Like you just like try to convince yourself, even though everything in my body was saying I'm not fine. And then, yeah, they forced me into the ER. The nurse was like, we'll take a CAT scan just in case. But, but we think you're fine again. And then she comes back in and she's like, ghost white. Your brain has been bleeding for two weeks. It shifted 11 millimeters. Like you have a guardian angel because you wouldn't have survived another night. And pretty much after that, it was like, you know, it was kind of a sense of relief because everything that I've been feeling was like, you know, valid. Like it was validated finally. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's, I mean, that's terrifying. (laughs) And and like, not even, you know, I, I'm obviously not a medical person at all, but, you know, I, you know, you'd assume that if, if, you know, your brain was bleeding for that long, that you wouldn't have that long, (laughs) you know what I mean? Um, and, and to be able to, 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 you know, you know, the guardian angel and catch it at at the right time or whatnot, um, to, to do that. So, I mean, what was, I guess once it came to kind of to that realization, I, I guess was that surgery kind of the whole nine yards. Like what what was kind of the next steps? They pretty much, yeah, they were like emergency brain surgery. Um, I went to like the hospital up in Frisco and they had to take me down to Denver. And pretty much, yeah, it was just like right away, like sensitive subject, like in MRIs, like CAT scans, like just kind of like waiting. But my family was in Pennsylvania, so they couldn't be there that fast. And my my poor roommate had to like sign my life away for brain surgery. And oh. I'm just like, this is that was really heavy. I was on drugs, but I'm really sorry. And yeah, it was kind of like all hands on deck. But I ended up being like sedated for like 24 hours because like my case was so sensitive that they actually flew in like one of the top brain surgeons, which is pretty nuts. Um, just in case. Wow. Well, I, I, you know, I guess it's, if, uh, you're going to get the best of the best for something, it might as well be that. Right. And (laughs) and obviously they did a great job. So, um, (laughs) that's, I'm like, that's stressful. What a stressful job. I'm like, I praise doctors so much. Like, I think I was like messed up on drugs, just trying to like, you know, get a laugh out of him. And he was like, yeah, I'm not laughing. <laughs> this is like, <laughs> this is serious. And I'm like, you're right. Touche. Yeah. So, you know, obviously, so he, he gets there and all goes well. Um, since I'm, I'm talking to you here today. So, um, yep. <laughs> what, what, uh, I guess, you know, I guess what, what was that like? You know, like I, like I mentioned before, you know, I've on BMX, I've, I've had a couple, um, concussions and that kind of stuff, knocking myself out, but nothing to this extent at all. So like, what was the, the kind of the process after that of, of kind of, I don't know if rebuilding your brain is the right word or not. I don't know what goes into those types of surgeries, but like, what, what was that like? It's, I feel I'm like thinking about it and it's the whole thing like as like as you mentioned like having head injuries and stuff for me you know i just had like broken arms and that was like the worst that i've had 
And so the brain, like I wasn't educated enough to like be aware of what was happening ever. So I just kept ignoring it. And then even after the brain surgery, like same thing, I had to pass like walking tests, talking tests, all of these like cognitive function tests. And I ended up passing them pretty quick and got bumped up to the recovery floor. I think like, it's like funny talking about it. I'm like turnaround time of the hospital was like two weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is, yeah, they pretty much were like, you are like, this is just like a miracle. Like everything, you recovering so fast, like everything like just like went smooth sailing, which I'm so grateful for. But then pretty much after that, they released me out of the hospital and just sent me home and were just like, okay, don't like eat sugar, drink alcohol or caffeine for nine months. And you can't drive a car for like three. Um, but that was like it come back in three weeks to get your staples out of your head. <laughs> and that's like all they gave me. And I was like, okay, like nothing about like, maybe when I could return to activity, like it was pretty much just like, let's just see how it heals, which is kind of wild, but, but yeah, no direction. Yeah. That's kind of, uh, not very, uh, I guess, comforting when, especially, you know, given the situation, um, other than kind of the basics there as, as you went home and kind of with those, those weeks or whatnot, did, I guess, was there ever a point that you felt like, I don't know, like resentment towards the sport at all? Like, like, does that kind of make sense? Oh yeah. I ended up developing like pretty bad PTSD and like, I was, I resented it for a while because I pretty much like ignored any emotion that I was feeling the whole time moving through that process because it was life or death. You know, you're like, we just got to do what we got to do. And you think you're going to come out of it being fine. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be fine. Like back to doing what I was doing. And when I got back on a snowboard, that like was not the case. I got back on a couple months later, honestly, like four months, pretty quick because I just thought I'd come out swinging again, but my brain definitely wasn't to what it was like snow. I had to relearn some things, snowboarding and, you know, just everyday stuff would give me headaches. Like even doing a coloring book would give me headaches. So it was like, that was something I had to start living with, but yeah, the resentment of my snowboard was like really real. And that's when I kind of like, I ended up taking a break because I just was like, I don't want to resent this thing like this. I don't want this to be done. Like, I'm just going to like work through whatever I'm feeling and like not blame snowboarding because, you know, there were there were tons of moments that I could have listened to my body <laughs> and yeah. like stopped. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, the, the resentment, I guess, sort of, you, you know, given the situation, you know, makes sense, but you know, also the fact that you were able to kind of recognize that, like, okay, I, I don't want to be like this for the rest of my way. You know, I still want to get back to it. Um, so let's take a break. What did you use to kind of shift your, I guess, focus on, you know, during, especially, you know, snowboarding every day, doing all this other stuff, these, and the different activities that kind of go along with it. What, I guess, did, did you, did your focus change in a, in a sense? Yeah. I mean, I think what happened was, you know, I ended up having a whole like identity crisis because who I once was, was no longer there. And like, I realized that it wouldn't, you know, my life wouldn't be what it was. 
And in order for me to like enjoy snowboarding and move on, like I had to accept that because I started going down a rabbit hole of like depression. And like up until this point, I was like, you know, super happy person, not no complaints really. And that was when I was like, whoa, like we're going down a spiral and rabbit hole and like outlashing at everybody around me. And, you know, I don't want, I don't want to be an angry person. <laughs> like I'm not an angry person. And like, I was like having these like mood swings that lasted like two hours and I would like see red and like not even remember yelling. And then I would cry and it was like this whole thing. And I think that's kind of when, yeah, I was like, okay, we need to like, yeah, like be okay with what happened and accept it and just try to move forward by like getting my mind healthy and getting my body healthy and like make sure we're sleeping again at night because like everything, every routine that I had was just like ripped out from under me pretty much. Yeah. And then so to that, I mean, did that kind of, you know, as you were, were noticing those things that, um, kind of pique your interest as well, you know, to learn more about kind of the brain injuries and that side of things as well. Like when, when did that part of it kind of come into like diving into it? I'd say like a year after, because a year after I developed all of these like post-concussion syndromes of like, yeah, I was sleeping maybe three hours a night. My mood swings were really bad. I had pretty bad headaches all the time and it would hurt to move my eyes and like working out hurt my head, you know, just like anything that like brought me joy, like hurt. And so, yeah, I, and like I went to a bunch of doctors and they kind of were just like, we don't really know. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't know? Like this is happening right now. And then in that moment, I think after a year, I just was like, you know what? We can't depend on anybody right now. And this is now in our, like our life is in our hands and we need to get back in the driver's seat and just do what we can. And so I started doing yoga and meditation, changed my diet and nutrition completely. Um, and then I started going to a therapist just to kind of like start working through stuff. Um, but then I went like two years doing like that approach on my own and that helped immensely which is great, but I still lived with like some of my symptoms up to like three years, three to four years until I got like further medical help. Yeah. But, you know, in, but, you know, still finding, finding the ways uh, to kind of uh, work through that along the way obviously is, you know, was, was good. And, and then kind of to yeah. get, to get past that, that point and then, you know, make the steps in the right direction, um, you know, like, you know, you hear stuff with football and all this crazy CT and all on all these, you know, unfortunate events that all point back to, you know, that that trauma from the brain. So it's I mean, it's obviously a, a very serious thing. Yeah. So so as you know, you, you're kind of, you know, making those steps, kind of getting right back in the uh, the right headspace and whatnot, where uh, I, I guess once you know, after, after those couple of years, um, and then you, you know, you got some more help along the way. What, what was it, I guess, what were the, the next steps after that? Like kind of once it was like, okay, I'm, I'm back to normal, you know, feeling myself again after, you know, this, this length of time, where, where did that, that journey go? Uh, let's see. I'm like, where did I go in my life? I think, I mean, 
I mean, as you've been saying, like, I think I started, yeah, just becoming very curious about the brain more because I was like, this is incredible. I'm like, things are getting better and everything I'm researching is like working and like it's improving and there's hope and you can heal, but it's all in our, like, you know, the controls in our hands and trying to find the help that we need. But then after, like, I pretty much went down that route, I was still, yeah, I became like fascinated about the brain. I was back snowboarding again, not competitively. I pretty much retired from that hung up the bib and was like, you know what? Like we can't afford to hit our head again. So let's just like be happy with like taking turns and yeah. just enjoy that we can still snowboard. Um, and that's kind of like where it went then was just like, I'm going to retire. I'm just going to be content that I can still do this. And I'm just going to keep researching about the brain and just, <laughs> you know, just try to get mine back to feeling good again. Yeah. And then, so, and then at that point, you know, when you're, you're kind of, you know, still finding, being able to find that joy in snowboarding, that kind of stuff, and then also learning more about the brain and that kind of stuff, were you, you kind of inspired to help others that might be experienced, experience the same thing? Cause I'm sure there's other cases similar to yours where they didn't find, you know, the way to get back to that joy or, or some other hurdles that might've come along with it that you overcame. So is that kind of where your, your head or mind kind of started, started kind of going in that direction? Yeah, it basically was going like, I started thinking about everything I've been through and how much I like downplayed it. And I was like, that was so gnarly. Like that was such a wild, unknown, dark experience that I played off. Like it was cool. Like, you know, like I just was like, yeah, I did it. And I was like, that was like real, that was hard. And I started being open about everything that I was going through on my Instagram. And when I started doing that, creating the conversation and opening up that it was like, everybody, strangers were just flooding in and everybody was like, yeah, I can relate, or I've been through this, or my my mom has been through this. And it was like, I was hearing all of these personal stories. And I obviously I was like, damn, like, even when I felt like I was alone, like I wasn't, but all of these people are just suffering in silence. And that's not right. Like, this is the number one injury in the world. And like, we're not talking about this. And everybody's just being quiet. And I actually was in a 200 hour yoga teacher training. I ended up loving yoga so much. It helped my brain. I went through a training and in this, they were like, what do you want to teach? Like, what do you want to give back with these 200 hours? And I was like, I want to create, like save a brain. And they were like, well, what is it? And I, I didn't know at the time. I just was like, I want to create like an educational Instagram and like a support group, like a community that we can learn together and we can support each other. And that's what I did. So for a year, I ran the Instagram Save a Brain. It was just me sharing education pretty much on what like has worked for me or other people. Um, and then after about, I don't even know, like, yeah, after like a year and a half of doing that, again, like all these people were just like confiding in me and like nobody knew what to do or where to go. And I was like, we can do more. <laughs> like I'm yeah. going to make Save a Brain a nonprofit. And then I went down a 
massive, massive change and life path. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, the, the fact that, you know, you and, you know, even before you, you decided to make it a nonprofit and kind of go down that uh, that route, you know, being able to openly share your experience and that kind of stuff, just the fact that, you know, you were helping, you know, start those conversations and have those conversations um, initially. And obviously you're getting, you know, positive feedback from that. You know, there's a community out there that needed to, to be able to talk about things like that. So once, so once you decided, Hey, let's make this, uh, let's make this thing legit. Um, you know, obviously the hurdles I'm sure of, of getting the nonprofit, uh, official and all that stuff, but what was kind of like, what was, what was the do more? Okay. I, you, you know, you mentioned you could do more, but what was it at that point? I honestly, I had no idea. I just like, I felt so compelled. I had this, I'm a big journal or like journal notebooker now. And I just put my thoughts down in it all the time. And like I looked back through this book after a year of just running that Instagram and it just kept like coming up nonprofit question mark, nonprofit question mark, because I just, I saw the community and I just knew like there was this big void because personally for me and everybody else, it was like, we felt like there was no support. We felt like there was no education. We felt like there was no resources after your head injury. And so right there, I was like, this is a huge gap that yeah. we have to fill and I truthfully, like when I was starting off Save a Brain, I had no clue how we were going to fill it. <laughs> like no idea. I know everybody's like, did you have like this like elaborate plan? I'm like, no, like it's basically like community has been my biggest teacher. And that's where I look for inspiration is just like, what do people need? And let's just like, you know, let's write them down and see like what's attainable now pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And and how, how long ago was that, that it, it became kind of official to that capacity? Uh, May was our two year mark. Awesome. It probably took me a year, a year to get it off the ground. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, so. Okay. Oh, I was going to ask how, how the, oh well, yeah, the, the year to get it off the ground, I'm sure kind of, you know, navigating a whole, whole different, uh, uh, mindset in, in its own, you know, with the the technical aspect of of starting a nonprofit and whatnot. So, well, what I was going to ask was, you know, how from you know when it actually officially launched um, to like kind of where it's gone today, like how how has that progression kind of gone along? It's been moving much faster than I thought I like than I thought it would, which is obviously amazing. But it's like looking back at it, I was still healing from my own journey as I was trying to create this outlet for people. And like that I think was like, and it still is like, I ended up having to go to like another therapist to like talk about my trauma because like I couldn't talk about it. And, you know, now like I was working in my trauma every single day, but I was obviously motivated to help you know, the bigger picture. So I just kept doing it. But like, it was like slow in the beginning, because I didn't know what we wanted to do. So we were just trying to piece it together and make an impact where we could. And I have like a crew of three people that helped me get it off the ground. And they pretty much were like, Kels, just be patient, like this is gonna snowball. And in the two years, it has snowballed. So <laughs> incredibly 
faster and bigger than I thought was even possible. And it's like, that's how, you know, you're like, you know, you're, you're following your passion and the right path is when like the things are like stars are aligning, which is cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, when, when there's, you know, when you're putting good out there, you know, people kind of typically latch, latch onto that and kind of help support that. Mm -hmm. So what, as it, you know, began to snowball, what kind of like specific like programs or resources or, you know, anything like that? What, what, what did that kind of look like from a organizational standpoint? We had a business plan made and then COVID hit. We, we got our certificate like a month after COVID hit. And I was like, <laughs> oh no, I'm like, we should just stop now. Like all of our business plan that like you in theory have to make went out the window. And I was like, we got to adapt quick. And I pretty much just like, okay, what do we need? We need funds. Let's fundraise. You know, I've never run a fundraiser in my entire life, but let's fundraise right now. And so we just like, like we raised some money um, and we pretty much just like kept doing that. And as we did that, we created this program called Happy Helmets. It, I pretty much just looked around and was like, wow, helmets are really expensive. And that's like yeah. bridging the gap. Why people don't wear them is because like they can't afford them or they can't afford a good fitting one. Or, and that's sad because, you know, this could really save someone's life. And so we, I looked at what I had as an athlete and I was like, I have connections to brands. So let's just do, let's start here. So I just outsource helmets from brands. They donated to us and we donate helmets to local nonprofit schools or youth programs. So that's like our first program that we started on. And now like to date, we've been running Happy Helmets for like maybe a year and a half now. And we've donated over a thousand helmets. Wow. Which is, yeah, which is so sick. Like it was kind of like a running a business is kind of just like throwing things at the wall and seeing if it sticks. And I just kind of was like, well, let's just see if this works. And it's been one of the best like give back programs to be a part of. No, that's awesome. And, and, and you bring up a, a great point about helmets in general. I mean, you know, a lot of people still think there's the, the not the cool factor part of it. Uh, and so you have something serious happen, but, but like the way they fit and all that stuff also matters because if, you know, if you're wearing a helmet that's falling down on your eyes, you know, the whole time you're riding or, or whatnot, uh, you know, speaking from experience riding BMX bikes as well, you know, it's not really fun. It's kind of in the way of doing, you know, what you're doing. So, and they get expensive, um, but they also do a lot of good as well. So, you know, being able to have, you know, provide that, that resource. And I mean, that's a, that's a, a thousand, uh, lids you're saving, uh, you know, from, from donating that. So that's awesome. I, yeah, it, it's been really cool. And like, every time we like get photos of the kids with the helmets on, I like want to cry because I'm just like, oh my God, like, you know, these, these little brains, like these little brains are being saved and it's like, obviously like there's so much that we're doing and have our hands in the pots of, but like, this is one that I'm like, you see the give back and like, that's, it's just a cool feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So, and obviously, so that, that kind of program was a success and it sounds like probably your main one still, what, what other kind of, um, what else branched out of that? We ended up, creating uh just like one of our 
uh, board members. Her name's Carly Harrington. She works in a concussion clinic. And one of the biggest things for me was like, okay, as a, as an athlete, and I mean, just like as an individual, like I knew nothing about the brain. We do not educate about head injuries in school. Like we do not know anything. How can we bridge this gap now? And I was like, let's make a concussion guide that's for eight-year-olds and up to understand. So little Johnny can read it and like understand what to look out for in himself or his friends or like he can give this pamphlet to his parents because maybe they don't know either. And so we ended up creating, yeah, like a little pamphlet concussion guide. And that pretty much is like goes everywhere with us. And we educate from that, which is, yeah, it's been fun making it. And honestly, I've been learning so much along the way about the brain even more. <laughs> so I know and that's great. And that's a great point. I mean, you don't really understand that. And then kind of, you know, to bring this to a super uh, kind of big perspective, you know, when and I don't know if you're a football fan or not, but, you know, everybody's saying, oh, so and so went into concussion protocol and then they're in it for two weeks nobody like at least they don't explain you know what they're actually doing during that time to like okay how how does this person get out of that um and and with it being so vague with such a large organization like you know like the nfl you know when you get yeah. down to the lower levels you know you don't have any idea so so when you were making kind of the that that material how are you uh distributing it right now so we have like a pdf on our website that people can print off uh, basically any event that we're at, we have them there. We also just deliver them in bundles to other events or schools as well. Um, we've been giving them to some resorts at ski patrol so they can hand them out to people as they come in and do it that way. But it's just like, like you said, it's like, you know, head in, they're happening everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, they're literally happening everywhere. And like, Especially, yeah, the NFL is wild to see. I feel like people are always just like, you must hate football. And I'm just kind of like, you know, it happens in every sport. Like, as long as, like, we do the right steps to just, like, recover and heal and, like, just educate ourselves, it's, like, the best thing that we can do to, like, mitigate it. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, that's that's a big you know, not only providing the the goods with the helmet as well, but the goods as far as the knowledge. Um along with that. So, so you, you have those programs. Is there, is there anything else? And if there's, if there's not, where, where do you kind of see yourself moving kind of as this continues to snowball? We also, we partnered with, uh, like do tour the past yeah. year to do helmet certifications for the athletes there because nobody ever checked helmets. It was just kind of like, you know, the most elite athletes sign up, their helmet could be like absolute trash, but they would just wear it. And, you know, I'm like, you're hitting 80 foot jumps that are ice. Yeah. <laughs> like, how about, you know, I'm like, this is for athlete safety and this is for everybody that's watching and for the kids. And, you know, when, when you put a helmet on in a spotlight like that, like it's affecting more than just yourself, but like, how can we start from there? So we hope to do that with more contest. Um, and then I'm like, let's see, we have like, we somehow just keep moving at the speed of lightning, but we have been developing. I'm really excited for this. It's coming out honestly in a couple of weeks, but we're expanding our YouTube channel as a resource. So people can go on there and there will be nutrition videos, recipes, helmet reviews, uh, like educational 
like videos that way because we just kind of were like people are constant like constantly like you know what can I do what can I eat like I feel like this has been the year where people are waking up to like what you know like what you feed your brain is what you get out of it and that's like speaking of everything like what you see on the internet what you eat what you drink like what you take in and we just kind of were like let's just give everybody good stuff here on the YouTube channel. So that will be out in the next couple of weeks, but that's kind of where we, I think those are going to be our like main programs that we just kind of keep making concrete and just spreading awareness that way. That's awesome. And I mean, you know, different, different kind of touch points and obviously, you know, scaling it from the YouTube side of things um, is, is great as well. And especially a build building upon, you know, what, what you kind of already have laid, uh, laid in place with the, the education and, and the helmets and that sort of thing. So one one thing I always like to ask our guests is kind of uh, one one piece of advice. Um, and this conversation has been really interesting, kind of learning about, you know, your story and then now what you're doing to, you know, help others prevent, you know, similar, you know, circumstances. If, you know, and I guess this might be going back to the personal side of the story, but you know, as you were, you know, making that journey, I don't know if recovery is the right word or not, but kind of getting back to normal and then obviously finding this passion that you have now. If somebody else is kind of going through something similar, you know, like a head injury or, or maybe maybe just something really tough to overcome, um, what would your biggest piece of advice to offer to them to kind of see kind of the light at the end of the tunnel of like, hey, things can get back um, to, you know, as normal as, as they can be, you know, with the right, with the right mindset, the right attitude, what, what would you tell them to kind of keep pushing through? Yeah. I think like, yeah, these are the words that I, I definitely like wish I would have had during mine. And it's like, I feel like it's like in broken pieces, but like bet on yourself is one of them that I always tell myself because like, you know, we're like, we're stronger than we think. And once you have a brain injury, you definitely like you know, I feel like you like look at yourself as less in a way, at least like I did. This is all just from personal experience, but just betting on yourself that like you can get better and you can be stronger and get back to what you want to do is huge. Like having that hope, be patient with yourself is one that I wish I would have heard <laughs> because it's like, you know, you're not going to be back to where you were immediately. And like, that's okay. And you might not be back to like, where you ever were, but that's okay as well. Like be patient, bet on yourself is like the, what I live by still to this day. Yeah, no, no, I love that. And it makes complete sense. Um, especially when it comes to, to patience, you know, we kind of, uh, warp time in our own mind of, of when things should happen and how they should happen. Um, and sometimes we just kind of just sit back and, and let the, the motions go through, you know, as long as they're good motions. Um, but to that point, where where can people find you online? Um, look into some of your resources, your programs. Uh, you know, check you out at the Do Tour and other uh, events and stuff like that as well. Yeah, follow us on Save a Brain on Instagram. Uh, we're just kind of heavy on there for community and education at the moment. But also, just check out our website, Save a Brain Inc. There's a bunch of cool things on there. Like we created a cookbook that you can order to have that's like all focused around concussion. We also have 
a resources tab to help you kind of get treatment if you don't know where to go. Um, so yeah, I'd say website and Instagram and then yeah, follow our YouTube channel because we're about to be launching some stuff there. That's awesome. Well, everyone definitely make sure you check them out. Uh, check out those resources, obviously super, uh, helpful and awesome, very important. And, um, as the conversation has gone kind of unknown to the general people of, of kind of the impact and what to look out for as well. But I, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to kind of share your personal story and how that led into save a brain. Um, and then all the good work you're doing to, to kind of prevent those injuries from happening in the future. So I wish you the best of luck. Yeah, thank, no, thank you for having me. And yeah, thank you to anybody listening. All I ask is that you take one piece of information and educate your friend. <laughs> That's how we that's how we spread awareness. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And hey, if you've made it this far and like what you've heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about life emotion. Until next time.